Hope you've had a great Christmas. And I wonder how many of you experienced the power of open on Christmas Day. <laughs> Did you open some things that brought opportunities and possibilities into your life? And of course, that's my segue into our theme right now on a series that I'm teaching called The Power of Open. When we, like Carol, I had a wonderful present from Carol. Actually, she ordered it for me for my birthday. Yeah. I just, just got here. I didn't even get here, actually. She canceled. Anyway, long story. But uh, she, she, she uh, bought me this beautiful um, uh, monocular. It's not a binocular. It's a monocular. She knows how much I love when I'm up early in the morning to look up at the stars and the skies. And so when I opened that package on Christmas Day, options and possibilities for what I'm going to be able to see when I, when I look up in the sky. And it's just like I got excited. The power of open has, is going to enhance my year this year as I opened that box and that gift. And I'm able to gaze at some of the wonder of, of God. So when we open something, options, opportunities come into our life. The power of open is the power of potential. The power of open is the power of possibility. And when you use the power of open, you lay hold of the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. But we have to open things. We just can't sit by idly. We have to press in. We have to open the things that are in front of us that that come into our lives. Now, last week, I shared with you how that we have to open the door of our heart to invite Jesus in to experience eternal life. But I also said, but you have to open your Bible to experience abundant life. You open your Bible to experience victorious life, overcoming life. Or you open your Bible app, depending on which works for you. Some people think maybe the Bible app is less holy than the Bible. It's just the Word of God is the Word of God, and however you can get it, get it, okay? And if it's convenient for you on your phone or, or your device, just get the Word of God. I'm not too particular how you get it. Just get it, amen? Come on, I can get a better amen than that on the last Sunday of the week, amen, I'm sure. So, John 3.16 is sort of the scripture that leads us to eternal life. That's the scripture that we base our foundation of opening our heart to Jesus on. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal everlasting life. Last week we said, though, that Colossians 3, 16 sets the precedent not so much for eternal life but for abundant life. And here's what we read last week. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let God's word, let God's word dwell in you. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Come on, we got to blow the dust. Come on, we got to let God's word the, get the dust off the Bible. We got we to open the word of God and let it dwell in us richly. 
And then Jesus said in John 15 and verse 7, pretty much the same thing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, let my word dwell in you. See, we're talking about dwelling and abiding, not an overnight accommodation in the city. Well, we're not, ta we're not talking about a little Airbnb. We're talking about abiding. We're talking about dwelling. This is what happens in your house. This is what happens like all the time. You abide where you live. You dwell there. This isn't just a little B&B, &B, you know, away uh, out of the city. No, if my words abide in you, abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done for you. You got to open your Bible. You got you to gotta read the word. You've got to search the scriptures. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. And we read in 2 Timothy 3.16. A lot of good 3.16s in this series right now. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Your Bible is useful. And it's useful to teach us what is true. How many know that, we, that, that can help us right now in a world filled with facts? that are crazy and contradictory, all of a sudden we have something in our hand that teaches us what's true. What's true? It is useful to teach us what is true. The Bible will tell you and teach you what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Lord, why isn't this working? Lord, my marriage or my finances or something, my mind, my... Lord, why isn't this working? Well, the Bible shows us what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. God uses this right here to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How does all that get done? The Bible. The Bible is how all of that gets done. Now, we said last week that God's word, the scriptures, protect us, correct us, direct us, and perfect us. God uses his word to do that. In 2 Timothy 2.15, study. Study to show yourself. Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So, question. How do we do that? How do we study like that. How do we study to show ourselves as approved unto God, workmen that are not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? How do we study the scriptures? How do we rightly divide the word of truth? So today, I want to share with you what I've learned over a lifetime, over my, I've been reading the Bible for 58 years. And I want to share with you what I've learned over a lifetime about reading the Bible and about studying the Bible. And sometimes I've been better at it than, than other times. But I want to share with you today what I believe will help you and strengthen you. Because when I say open your Bible, I'm not talking about a drive through like Macca's. That's not what I mean. Uh, I'll take chips and a shake, thanks. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to show you what I've learned about how to read your Bible. All right? As a matter of fact, I've titled this message today, How to Read Your Bible. So, here's some advice that I would give you about reading your Bible. Here's what I would say. Read the Old Testament, but devour the New Testament. 
Learn the old covenant, but live in the new covenant. Consider the law and the prophets, but consume the gospels and the epistles. Understand the history of the Hebrews, but be addicted to grace and the cross and the blood of Jesus and the resurrection and eternal life. This is how I would advise you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. It was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Now, it's great to study the shadows, but it's even greater to live in the light that casts the shadow. The blood of a heifer is good, but the blood of a savior is better. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22, and so much more, Jesus has become a surety for a better covenant. A better covenant. I advise you to focus the majority of your time in the better covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Spend the majority of your time in God's word in that which is better for you. Especially if you're a new Christian. A new Christian would come and say, well, I'm, uh, I've jumped into Jeremiah. And I'm going to say, well, bro, jump into John and Jude and James. You know, or brother, I'm, I've delved into Deuteronomy and Daniel. Why don't you move over to Mark and Matthew? You have come to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Jesus. The one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to sprinkle blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Now the old covenant is bigger, but the new covenant is better. So that's my advice. But now let me show you five ways to read your Bible. Number one, read it regularly. Regularly. Read your Bible regularly. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. 
bread. Bread speaks, of course, of, of grain and barley, but bread also in the scripture speaks of the word of life. Give us this day our daily, daily bread. We read about the church in the book of Acts, that brand new born-again church birth there on the day of Pentecost. And here's what we read in Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ this was not a weekly event or a bi-monthly occasional occurrence. This was daily, every day, every day in the Word, every day pressing in, pressing in. You need to open your Bible and read it every day. Set a schedule. Retain a routine. As a matter of fact, we're just, what, three days, four days away from a brand new year. What are you going to do this year in God's Word every day? What plan have you set or will you set for yourself? Have a certain time and place where it's just automatic. Did you read your Bible today? Well, you might as well ask me, did I brush my teeth today? Yes. You said, this is, this is no brainer. This is not an option to not, there's no, there's, this is just, it's, this is a done deal every day, just like I change my clothes. <laughs> I don't think about it. It's just part of my life. It's part of my every day. Read your Bible regularly. Have a regular reading time every day. Make it work for you. Make it work for you. Retain, maintain a routine. This is just automatic. Give me this day, my Father, my daily bread. Read your Bible regularly. Secondly, read it reverently. Reverently. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the holy scriptures. Paul called this the holy scriptures. The Greek word that Paul uses is the word hagias, holy, holy. In the holy scriptures, the hagias scriptures, the Greek word means sacred. It means consecrated. It means blameless. It means most holy. It's the exact same word for the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit. And Paul says the Holy Scripture. Using the exact same Greek word. Read your Bible regularly. Read your Bible reverently. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul tells Timothy. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given us. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you have studied these holy scriptures since you were a child. Read your Bible regularly and read your Bible reverently. Uh, I read 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me read it from the message translation. Every part of scripture is God-breathed. 
God breathed. Have you ever felt God's breath on your cheek while he was speaking his word to you? God breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us the truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, when the people were coming back from the Babylonian captivity after those 70 years, and they come back to Jerusalem, and we know that Jerusalem was a bit of a mess, and the wall, the temple, and and all of that started a new construction process. But Nehemiah took the word of God, and he stepped out into the public square, and all the people gathered. And uh, I beg your pardon, it was Ezra. Ezra took that. I'm reading from Nehemiah. Ezra took the scriptures, stands up on this high platform, and he begins, and the people gathered around him, and the Bible says they were there from morning till midday while he read the entire law, while he, while he read the Torah. Let me read from ne- uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. Watch this. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. From morning till midday, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Now watch, watch, the, watch the reverence of the people to the scripture. He blesses the Lord, the great God. And the people answered, amen and amen. Come on, just like a bunch of good Baptists. <laughs> While lifting their hands. Look, look, look at, their, look at, look at their, their, their opinion of God's word. They're standing. Now they're lifting their hands. And he's reading, you know, You know, he's reading numbers, lots of numbers. And they lift their hand, watch this, and they bow their heads, and they worship with their faces to the ground. Read these God-breathed words reverently and worshipfully. There have been many times I have read these words on my knees. There have been other times I've had my face down on the floor and my hand in the Bible. And I can remember as a young married man who grew up in a very dysfunctional home with a mother that had been married seven times and now I've got my wife and she, and I and, and I'm, can't figure out why our marriage isn't working. I thought it was supposed to be easier than this. I thought it was supposed to be more loving than this. I thought it was supposed to be better than this. And I don't know what's going on. And I found myself literally on the floor of my house with my Bible open and my hand in my Bible and my face to the floor saying, God, it's not working. Show me, show me why it's not working. Show me what's wrong with her. (laughs) Not so much. As a matter of fact, he has never one time showed me what's wrong with her. Read these God-breathed words reverently and worshipfully. Read your Bible regularly and reverently. Number three, Read your Bible receptively to receive, not just to hear, to receive. Read your Bible with such an expectation that, man, uh, I'm going to start my Bible reading here in five minutes, and by the time I finish my Bible reading, something's going to change in me because I'm going to receive this word. 
I'm going to receive this word. I'm not just going to read this word. I'm going to receive this word. Read your Bible receptively. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word or the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I'm not just here to read it. I'm here to receive it. Don't just read the word. Receive the word. James 1, verse 22 through 25, just following on from what I just started. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his face in a, in a mirror. And he observes himself. And then he goes away and immediately he forgets what he looks like. He forgets what kind of man he is. But, but, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it, continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, Father, uh, okay, I need to do that, and I need to do that. And Lord, by the time this day's over, I'm going to do this too. I receive the word. I don't just read this, I receive it into my heart and I expect to be changed and transformed by its power. I expect this word to work in me. I expect this word to do a work on me and in me. When Paul was in Thessalonica, they rejected him and they rejected God's word, they ran him out of town. Paul's next stop is Berea. And here's what we read in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 and 12. These, these Bereans, he says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they, watch this, received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily, that goes back to point one, to find out whether these things were so. And because of that, look at the result. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women. Prominent women as well as men. The Bereans received the word, searched the scriptures, and it brought amazing change into their lives. It brought Jesus into their lives. How should you read your Bible? Read it regularly. Read it reverently and read it receptively. Number four, read it for readiness. Readiness. Now, in the military, we were very familiar with this term, readiness. Readiness, because a battle can begin at any time, any place, even most inconvenient time, and even most inconvenient place. And so, in the military, we worked at being in a state of readiness. Our weapons were always near, clean, and zeroed in. And we trained relentlessly, ruthlessly with our weapons. We would fire them and fire them and train and train and train with, with our weapons. And we read in um, 
2 uh, Timothy 2.4, no one engaged in warfare. How many believe that may be you and me? Engaged in warfare. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. Now I know most of us like a lot of people like the analogy that the church is the bride of Christ and, and that's true and that's good but how many know we're also the soldiers that's also true too amen so 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4 says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds weapons weapons warfare and I'm talking about reading your Bible to be in a state of readiness Ephesians 6 and verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The armor of God. And then verse 17 says this, Take the sword, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I regularly, reverently, receptively, Read the Word of God to be ready for every spiritual battle, wherever and whenever it finds me. My Bible prepares me for battle. The Word equips me for warfare. You need to learn to fight, and you need to get good at it. You need to be good in a fight. Because the fight is on. Hebrews 4, verse 12, I read this a while ago. For the word of, actually I didn't read this one. For the word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Scripture is my sharp sword. And I need to be in a state of readiness with the Scripture. The uh, Passion Translation says this, and take the mighty razor-sharp the razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. <laughs> you got to be ready for a fight. You got to be ready to rumble. Because the rumble's coming whether you're ready or not. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be alert. Be on watch. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Arm yourself. Arm yourself. Protect your family. Protect what's precious to you. Protect your dignity. Protect your integrity. Protect your mind. Protect your finances. Protect those that you cover. Arm yourself. Use the power of open. Open your Bible and read it regularly, reverently, receptively, and read it for readiness. And finally, is this helping anybody, by the way? It's helping me. Finally, read it for retaining. Retaining. For memorizing and meditation. Read your Bible for memorizing and meditating. This is the superpower of Bible reading. I just saved the most powerful for last. 
I just thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're just going to take this thing and we're going to cover it right now in what this really brings us to and where this leads us to. I want you to know to read your Bible, to retain it, to memorize it and meditate upon it is the superpower of Bible reading. Memorize Scripture and then meditate on the Scripture you've memorized. And somebody would say, oh, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at memorizing. I, I can't memorize. I've tried to memorize. I just have a problem with memorizing. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just have a problem with motivation. Because if I, honestly, if I said to you, if you'll memorize seven scripture verses in the next seven days, I will give you an around-the-world first-class ticket for 2030. <laughs> or for whenever, you know, whenever we're, uh, for the next time that we're allowed, all right? If I were to offer you a first-class, round-the-world ticket for memorizing seven verses, you'd find a way to do it because you would be motivated. If I said to you, look, memorize seven verses this week and there'll be a Mercedes waiting for you out there in the next week, and the week after that, a BMW, and the week after that, a Porsche, you're not going to tell me I can't memorize because you can. The problem is just motivation. Motivation. Please, Learn this superpower. This will renew your mind. This will transform your life faster than anything else you can ever do as a Christian. This is how you turbocharge your Christianity. This is how you go from private to corporal to sergeant to officer to lieutenant. This is how you make rank quick. This is how you turbocharge the work of God in your life. You read your Bible to retain it. You read your Bible to memorize it and to meditate upon it. In Psalm 63 and verse 5 and 6, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall fill you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate upon you in the night watches. Do you know what sleepless nights are for? Not worry and stress, but for meditating on what you've memorized. That's what sleepless nights are for. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Joshua, this book of the law will stay in your mouth day and night, day and night. You will meditate on it. Prosperity and success follow memorizing and meditating on God's word. Psalm 119, verse 97 and 98. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies. Read your Bible for retention. When I was 20 years old, I memorized Psalm 1. And for 48 years, this psalm has been a foundation for my life. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. 
The ungodly are not so. They're like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the ungodly will perish. You have to use the power of open, and you have to open your Bible. And once you open your Bible, you need to read it regularly, reverently, receptively. Read it for readiness and read it for retention as the team comes. Next week, I want to continue on this series and I want to show you why the New Testament documents are trustworthy. I want to show you why you can trust your Bible. I hope you'll join me next week as well. Could we stand together in the house and those that are watching with us, God bless you. And uh, by the way, this evening, we're going to be meeting here in the auditorium, and Pastor Belinda is going to be sharing the word with us tonight. She's a brilliant, brilliant preacher, Bible teacher, and she's cute as a little bug's ear. So you'll want to be a part of that as well. Let me just pray, and especially for those at home today. Father, I pray today the word has become alive in somebody's heart. I pray today some decisions are being made that will bring opportunity and possibility like never before. I pray you would help us to have a revival of the Bible. I pray you would help us to fall in love with your word. I pray you'll help us to shake off the boredom and the laziness or the busyness that keeps us from having regular time in your word. Let your word instruct us in every way of life, in marriage and family and how to be single and how to be strong. Lord, let the Bible, I do pray for a revival of the Bible. And Lord, I pray that 2021 will be a year of the Bible for every single one of us. That we will open our Bibles regularly. That Lord, we will open our Bibles reverently and receptively. And that we would read for readiness. And that we would read for retention, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.